0: How are we doing? (laughs) Got mother, niece, daughter, wife right in the front. Not awkward at all. Y'all doing okay? Okay, good. No, 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 I'm just joking. I'm not uncomfortable. Um, One of my favorite characters on TV says, I'm never uncomfortable. She's leaving now. That's actually good. No joke, though, I am looking and scanning the room, and we are good. Okay, fantastic. All right. So um, it's good to see you. Um, we're going to be uh, talking about Eros love. Um, so yesterday, I made my wife mad and my daughter cry at yogurtland. And it was my idea to take them to yogurtland, my idea, my money, where we are in yogurtland for 30 seconds, and then my wife and my daughter leave yogurtland. So uh, I'm just giving you the credentials on why I should be preaching today, okay? Because I made my wife upset and my daughter cry at yogurt land. Marriage life is hard. It's hard. That's a place where you could say amen if you wanted to, but it is hard. It's very difficult. It's very difficult. And um, so Daryl, in his wisdom, thought that it might be a good idea that somebody who is making daily mistakes— in marriage and in an erotic relationship, and I use that term the correct way, uh, to talk about it. And so that's why I'm here. And it's interesting because Aiden, who uh, is the oldest of Anthony, who's in the youth group, who doesn't have to go upstairs, informed his parents, he's like, I've heard this two years in a row, I'm going upstairs today. <laughs> so I was like, man, I don't know how to take that, you know? If, does he actually remember? And if so, that's awesome, that's great, you know? And uh, maybe I've scarred him, so that's pretty fun. You know, you never, you never know. But no, it's, it's, uh, it's tough. But we have been talking about the, the four loves, the four dimensions of love. Daryl's talked about it before. We've talked about agape, and that is the God-type love. That is the love for humanity. There's no conditions on it. Uh, some simple examples are um, when you go and you met somebody just a few seconds ago, and you might have shook their hand and given them a smile. You didn't have to do that but you did it. That's a form of love for somebody that you don't even know at all, right? Uh, It could also be something that's a little bit more sacrificial. It could be um, a police officer uh, sacrificing his his life or her life in the line of duty. Could be a firefighter running into a burning building and saving people that they don't know at all, but they do it because of what? Duty, but yeah, they can do another job. There's something underneath that. It's a love for humanity. It's agape, two down only need these two to leave <laughs> no i'm just joking i'm sure she's coming back i hope she's coming back um because she'll let me know what i messed up with later so that's important all right it's important it's important oh, she's back good okay great uh but yeah so we talked about agape that god type unconditional love right and then we talked about phileo all right <clears throat> philos the, the the term for brother or brotherly love and how there are some conditions with that sort of love and trust respect There's commonality, there's common interest, and how our circle gets a little bit smaller with that, right? We can have that sort of God-type unconditional love with all people, but we're not friends. We can be friendly to all people, but we're not friends with all people. And then from that, uh, talking about Eros love, and that is a very selective, exclusive, sexual, intimate love. And if you're not already uncomfortable, then I'm I'm glad that you're here, because uh, yeah, you know I was talking about this with uh, a parent earlier, and we were talking about you know how to talk about this in a way to where it's not um, uncomfortable, to where it's not something that would be inappropriate for children. And thankfully, it doesn't we don't really have children in the room, uh, which is great. I get to work blue today, so, but um, but talking to that parent, we. Every TV show, every movie, anything that you stream, the songs that you listen to, are talking about relationships and sex. But somehow, it's become awkward to do so in the place where it should be the most appropriate. And that is when we talk about how God talks about it. And we talk about it among people that we love and respect. Isn't that weird? And that's a device of the enemy. And we have got to recognize it, and we've got to fight against it and we gotta flip the script. Meaning, uh, there are some married couples in here that have been married a long time. We should be going to them and not Siri when we have questions about sex and relationships. We should be asking them tough questions instead Sorry, of Googling. I'm trouble hearing you. Exactly. You do indeed have trouble hearing because you don't know. It's somebody's opinion and we think that they're all knowing, but they don't know. But there are people in here that know. So why aren't we talking to them? Why aren't we consulting this book, which, believe it or not, is filled with married couples who make a lot of mistakes that we could learn from, but also give us an example. So uh, I don't have a very long message today, but I have one that I think is potent. And I'm looking at the room, and uh, you know, you're supposed to look at your audience, and I know that I've got people that are in married relationships. I have people that are on their way to it, and I have people that are like, uh, that's not for me. That's fine. We're going to talk about truth, and truth is applicable for all people in all scenarios. So maybe this is not something that's directly um, applicable to you, but I bet there's somebody you know that you could reveal this truth to, or maybe it will be for you at some time. Okay? But again, just to give my credentials, uh, I've been married now for 15 years, right? 15, 16 years. 16 years. 16 years. 16. I was. I rounded to the nearest five. 16 years. Uh, I screw up all the time, all right? So I am not coming before you as some sort of therapist. I'm coming before you as somebody who's learning on the way, but somebody who puts um, faith here in the Word of God. So you ready? You ready? So we're going to talk about Eros. Do you know how to spell Eros? Yes. All right. Anybody like Disney? Do you like Disney Plus? Yes. Do you like Hulu? Yes. Do you like Hulu Plus? You're like, yeah, I don't know. It used to be a thing. Just go with me. So we're going to talk about eros, eros plus, okay? So we could talk about just eros, but I want to talk about eros plus, okay? So I want you to remember how to spell it, E-R-O-S, and then plus, okay? So let's dive into it, um, and let's start with Eden. I could say Edenic but as an adjective, but we'd be like, what is that? So let's just talk about the Garden of Eden, now, when I say Eden, what do you think about? I'm assuming you would think about the Garden of Eden. And if I say Garden of Eden, what would you think about? Adam and Eve. and and if I say Adam and Eve, what would you think about? The sin, <laughs> the fruit, right? Isn't that what we do? We go right to it, and we skip over the best parts. We skip, o- now granted, granted, there's a whole chapter about the problem and the sin. That's chapter three, it's bad. And the chapter, the verses that I wanna look at are very short for a reason, and we should recognize the sin, no apple, it's fruit, Um, and it wasn't poison, it was uh, representative of the knowledge of the truth of good and evil, it was was something that God said, hey, you can do anything you want, just don't eat that. And what did they do? They ate that, right? You're like, man, these are stupid people. Those, that's who we came from, okay? That's who you descended from, all right? So when you make a bad decision, you're like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm like my great, 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 to the thousandth power uh, grandfather, grandmother. But yeah, I mean, we, we, we focus on the sin, and we should, but there's something there that we need to focus on. So if you would, and I think it'll be up there, but we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 2. To the very end of it, Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to start reading in verse 18. It may be up there. you all see that? If you do, it's Genesis 2. I think Daryl made these slides. Uh, For us and I appreciate him doing so and if he doesn't then i'm just going to read it So this is genesis chapter 2 i'm going to start in verse 18 and i'm going to read to the end Okay, this is esv version The lord god said it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. Now we could stop right there and just preach a whole sermon, I'm not going to. But how cool is that? God made all of this cool stuff and said, you get to name it. We're not just another animal, we're not just another beast, we're not some hairless ape that's a little bit more highly evolved, no. We are the flag bearer of the king we have been set here with a purpose to rule to reign with his authority it's another good place to say amen but for adam no suitable helper was found verse 21 so the lord god caused the man to fall into a deep sleep some of us are wanting that at night right you're like man can that happen for me and while he was sleeping he took one of the man's ribs and then close up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she, be called, she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Verse 24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. That is the PG version of they united physically. Okay. They swapped spit and DNA. All right. They got together, had sexual intercourse. And then it says Adam and Eve were both naked and they felt no shame. So that feeling that you're feeling right now, they didn't have it. Okay. You're like, what do we just talk about? What do we just read? Yeah, they didn't have that at all. So here's what I want you to focus on about Eden. Okay. Paradise, Man, woman, working together, naked, no shame. Spring break's coming up. (laughs) And so I've been thinking about what do I want to do on spring break, okay? And I'm probably gonna be doing a lot of staycationing because we've got small kids and traveling. We need like a good three weeks, not just to travel. We need like a week to set up, a week to do it and a week to recover. And so spring break's gonna be a lot of staycation. But ideally, If I had the time, then I would get uh, my kids and we'd travel somewhere cool, all right? I'd take them somewhere, experience another culture, let them see people that don't look like them, don't talk like them, don't eat like them, but still worship Jesus. I think that would be awesome. So I would love to do that. And then send them home and me and my wife have our own Eden experience. That sounds like a great vacation, right? Man, woman, working together, naked no shame that's how god created us did you hear that sex is a beautiful thing it was created by god it has turned into something nasty and ugly by the work of the enemy and by our fallen nature but it has always been designed to be something beautiful something amazing something that has a lot of purpose and i want to quickly go over that because, and and then move on, but I don't wanna spend forever on it, and the reason I don't is because eros love, this sort of marriage erotic love is not sex. Sex is the aspect of it, but it's not it, okay? So when we use this expression in our society, make love, not a good expression. It could be a type of way to express love, but it is not love in and of itself, okay? Uh, if so, I mean, because what I see dogs doing in the backyard, what I see bees and stuff doing, it's not love, man, not love. Don't wanna have anything to do with that, okay? That's whatever it is, okay? It's just nature doing its thing. But why do we do it then? Why, why, why did God create it so that men and women would be in this sort of relationship uh, and have sex? Three reasons why we, we have sex. By the way, if you're taking notes in your bulletin and there's that blank spot, just put a capital E, capital R, capital O, capital S, and then a cross at the bottom. Okay, it's an acronym. We're on the first E, which is Eden. But a little subsection of that is, why do we have sex? We have sex for three reasons. One, the most obvious, pleasure. Feels good, feels awesome. God made it that way. Isn't it cool that he made it that way? What if it would have been a terrible thing, right? And I know some of the women in here is like, it ain't that great. No, most of y'all, it still can be great, okay? It can be, it can be. And it was created so that it would be great. Because do you remember the first command he gave them? He said, be fruitful and what? Multiply. (laughs) Multiply. And there's the only way that men and women can do that. And that is to get together physically to have two people to become one flesh. You're like, man, that's graphic. Yeah, God made it that way. And it's supposed to feel good. It's supposed to feel good. How cool is it that it does, right? It's not the only reason. Progeny. It's a fancy word that means to have kids. Pleasure, progeny. We have sex the same way that all of those other animals that I uh, mentioned have sex, and that is to create little ones that are like us in a scary way, a lot like us, right? And that's amazing too. It's not, you know, what if he said, okay, to have a boy or a girl, you need to get a big pot. You need to go and get enough magnesium, some zinc, some oxygen, and hydrogen. By the way, Adam and Eve, I know you don't know anything about this yet, but you know there's people that think later on that I need to talk this way or I don't exist. So I'm going to go ahead and put it down. It means nothing to you. So go and find all these elements, put them together, stir it up. What a terrible way to make a person. And how, man, we would screw it up, wouldn't we? Oh, my goodness, I forgot the calcium. I have a jellyfish for a son. You know, I'm going to be bad, right? It'd be terrible. But how cool is it that I and my wife get to hang out, have a lot of fun, hopefully for about 10 to 15 minutes. And a few months later there's a little Craig or a little Rachel. And you know what? We didn't have to get together and figure out the chemistry or the biology. We just got to have fun. How cool is that? It's for pleasure, it's for progeny. But the third one is the one that our society doesn't realize and that's partnership. Sex creates a strong bond that even if it didn't feel good and it didn't create kids, it would still create this bond. I'll be honest with you. So this past year and a half at my new job, it's been a little rough and that's a little bit of an understatement, okay? It's been tough and I have needed the partnership aspect of the relationship with my wife to get through. I mean, yeah, the pleasure part, great. Progeny, well, I'm done, all right? I got fixed, okay? I, I can't have any more kids, all right? By the way, no, a great guy in Richardson, it's cheap, it's awesome, doesn't hurt. If you need to know, you let me know, okay? Right now, the pleasure and the partnership is good enough reason for us, okay? So we get, uh, and, we, and we're intimate, and yeah, pleasure, great. Progeny, have too many of them already. But the partnership of it, the partnership of getting together intimately with someone else creates this, this strength. It's like a superpower drug. And it's like, man, I don't wanna to go to work. I don't wanna do this, I don't wanna do that. But man, I'm ready to go crush through this wall with my head first because of my relationship with my wife. And it's not that sex alone creates that, not at all. People can have that sort of bond with their spouse if they can't have sex. There are people that do that. In fact, there's some awesome Christian examples of that. But it doesn't hurt. So sex, pleasure, man, it feels great. Progeny, but the partnership. And here's where society screws it up. They'll say that, yeah, sex feels great, go do it. If you want a kid, yeah, go do it. And they'll think that the partnership doesn't exist so that you can do it with anybody. You can have multiple partners. And what they don't realize is that then it actually becomes the opposite. It becomes a poison and it ruins you and other people. You make these connections and then rip them apart. And there are, there are long, deep scars in people's hearts and souls as a result. So we need to know that sex is for pleasure, it feels good. It is for progeny, we need to make little ones. In fact, if you, if you are listening out there, there's some people who are like, yeah, we have too many people in the world. It's actually a myth. We actually need to have more babies. I don't know if you know that, but the birth rate in almost every Western country has declined we need to have more babies. You want a real quick example of that? Ask any person over the age of 60 how many brothers and sisters they had. Then ask anybody younger than 40 how many brothers and sisters they have. You're going to notice it's about half to a third. So my recommendation for all the married folks out there, you need to have more babies, okay? Get it done, all right? Tonight, make it happen. Adopt, foster, get involved, okay? Do what you got to do, all right? Fruit from a, yeah, I could get into more than that, but I'm not. But yeah, so the partnership aspect is so strong. It's so powerful. And it's that part that God, it's, it, it doesn't matter what happens, how old you get, that part of intimacy is not going to change. That's what actually gets stronger. Even if the actual sexual experiences decline with age, which by the way, they don't have to, that's another myth. But let's say they do, the intimacy doesn't. The partnership can get stronger. In fact, oftentimes is much stronger. I don't know if you've seen people who've been married 40, 50, 60 years, but there's this weird sort of, there's a partnership there that's like iron, you know? And I look at them like, man, I'm not there yet. I'm headed that way, but I'm not there yet. Like their fights are even different. It's like, we've already had that one. All right, let's just move on, you know? And they just, they're done with it. It's like, fine, you can think you're right, I can think, let's just go on, you know? And they just move on, but the partnership is so strong because of that type of exclusive erotic relationship. Doesn't have to be sex, but sex is is the physical representation of of that partnership that also brings a lot of pleasure, pleasure and a lot of progeny. So there you go, there's your E. There's our Eden experience. No shame to have that sort of relationship. By the way, were you reading or paying attention closely? It said with a man and a woman. From the very beginning, it's supposed to be two genders and two sexes, period. End of story, full stop. And yes, I know we live in a society that is saying other things are okay, and I'm not talking about politically speaking. I'm not talking about the law. We live in a free state. Whatever people do behind their closed doors, that's what they do. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what does God want? That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how do you get the most pleasure, the best experience with progeny, the strongest partnership is with a man and a woman for life, period. And if you're like, Craig, you're not allowed to say that. I didn't. He did. And so it doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong. This matters. It's not about my opinion. I'm not very smart. It's about the word of God. So listen, I'm not going to get in some exchange of words. I used to, and I would either sometimes win, many times lose, or a lot of times we just got angry. I'm not into that anymore. You're like, well, I don't agree with it. That's fine. You don't have to agree with anything I say. It's not about me. It's about this. And if we really wanna be, now I'm talking to the church, we want you to live your best life. We want you to live a godly life because that's how you actually achieve the most joy, the most fulfillment, the most purpose. And if you wanna achieve the most joy, fulfillment and purpose, then your marriage should be a man and a woman for life. That's how you'll experience a man and a woman working together naked without shame. That's my great spring break and it's happening okay and it's happening for you too it may not be at some island it may be behind closed doors when the kids are asleep and hoping they stay asleep you know whatever but it's there for you paradise is there for those of you called to be married which listen i probably should have said that at the very beginning there are people that are called not to be married you're like well there's no eros for me no your erotic relationship is with god himself it may not have a physical component but that sort of intimacy god's going to have to you in fact in some ways In some ways, if we read scripture closely and we look at Paul, um, or if we look even at the example of our Messiah, there's a blessing in that for those who are not called to be married. You may be called to be celibate, but 95% of you, give or take, are not called to be celibate. So I'm talking, this message is specifically for you. But this intimacy and God's promise is still for all people. That was letter what? E. All right, what's next? R, there we go. What do we want for R? Romance. Like Craig, you already talked about sex. Yeah, exactly. It's not the same thing. So if you look up romance, you're gonna find different definitions, but one is basically the mystery and excitement associated with love. Okay, let's go with that. Let's go with mystery and excitement and, and associated with love. What love? Let's be specific. That's the problem with the English language, by the way. This is the reason why Daryl does the four dimension of loves and we use these Greek words like uh, agape, phileo, Eros storge, what's that? That's the affection that's found in all of them. A handshake, a hug, a kiss, sex, that's all different types of storge that fits into the different dimensions of love. Why do we do that? Because we all say the word love. I love my dog, I love pizza, I love this guy, I love my wife, obviously not all the same thing. So that's why we're using these Greek terms. So romance, romance is not necessarily just limited to sex. So what are we gonna talk about romance? Let's turn to the Song of Songs, which we preached on before in here. Anybody read the Song of Songs, also known as the Song of Solomon? Anybody? Ooh, look at that. Thank you. That looks good. I didn't make that. They made that. That's quick. So the Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs, is really X-rated material. Back in the day, only Hebrew men of a certain age could read it. And you may be reading, and you're like, well, it's kind of romantic, but I don't see all that. Yeah, because we're... We're people that are so limited with our imagination that we've got to see it. And we don't use these sort of words. And some of the men in this room, maybe we should take a note from here, okay? Because this is some pretty salty, um, beautiful, graphic language of a man and his wife and how they see each other, okay? So with that in mind, Let's look, uh, we're gonna look at two passages. The first one, the woman is talking. This is at the end of chapter, chapter two. This will be chapter two, verse 16, through the very beginning of chapter three, verse one. And if it's up there, great. If not, just listen to me. This is the woman talking. My beloved is mine and I am his. He browses among the lilies until the day breaks and the shadows flee. Turn, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the rugged hills all night all night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. This is desire, right? This is a woman saying, okay, that's my guy. I, I'm, I'm looking for him. I want him. I can't, what, he, he, can, he searches around all the lilies, but I'm his one. Now listen to the man. And here's where, yeah, buckle up. Verse one, starting in chapter four. The man is speaking, the, the husband. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn coming up from the washing. Each has its twin, not one of them alone, meaning she's got all her teeth. <laughs> hey, back in the day, I mean, there could have been, yeah, this guy was hot. he didn't have his twin. You know, it could have been that sort of a thing. Your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of pomegranate. Your neck is like the tower of David, built with courses of stone. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountain of myrrh and the hill of incense. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Listen, man. That is some, borrow that language, okay? If you were like Jerry and you weren't, you know, you didn't come up with anything for Valentine's and it's on a Monday, oh, you know, whatever. And by the way, dumb holiday, don't have to celebrate it, okay, do, do celebrate it, do it, do, give her something, but you don't have to, okay? You should, but you don't have to. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, borrow that language. This is, a, this is a husband that is describing his wife in graphic detail and how much he loves her and listen, the Tower of David might not get your motor turning, but that was a high compliment. That was a, that showed strength and class and just beauty, okay? I know if you're thinking like me, you're like, eh, I'm thinking of a rocky sort of uneven, this is not good. But no, it was a compliment, it was good, it was great. And all of those things, he was complimented from head to toe, and there's some stuff in there that I'm not gonna get really into detail, but it gets really graphic in some places, and it is good, it is beautiful because they're married. God created man to look at a woman and say, I want that. God created a woman, we hope, to look at a man and say, I want that. Doesn't make sense to me, but it does to them, you know? And we should be able to, and it's, again, it's sexual, but let's put sex out of it for just a second. When we talk about romance, having the ability to be completely vulnerable in front of the other person. It's weird, right? Because with every other human on Earth, it doesn't make sense. But with that one person, they see every flaw, and they like it. How weird is that, right? I look in the mirror and I'm like, man, is that one? Is this one growing? Is this mole growing? Is that the bad? Is that a bad color? I gotta get that checked out. All right? I'm like, there's just some stuff I don't like. This. I'd walk into the room and my wife's like, later. <laughs> I don't understand that, right? That's weird. Cause I'm like, man, I need more layers, more layers. I need layering, okay? Two, maybe three shirts, maybe a coat, you know? I need bigger boots, I need something. And my wife's like, no, take it off. Isn't that weird? And isn't that beautiful? Because that's how God designed it, that's romance. And notice the word, we said mystery before, right? I've known her since she was three, I don't, or four. I don't get her. Still, completely, I understand her more and I can predict her more. It's like I'm getting better at the weather, but I don't understand what, I don't understand tornadoes or hurricanes. I kind of see when they're coming, but I don't get them. I don't understand how in Texas we can have three inches of ice out there and then it's sunny the next day. I don't get it. I enjoy it. I don't understand her. I don't get it, but I get to learn it. I get to be a part of it. I get to enjoy it, and the same thing uh, with her and me. That's, that's romance, and, it, and we're meant to have it, and it's not a bad thing, and again, it's not a sexual thing. It's enjoying the exclusive vulnerability relationship with that other person for life, forever until death do you part. That's why we say that, by the way, until death do us part. All right, from the R, we're gonna go to the O. And this is, we're gonna turn to Mark 10. O is for only one. If you wanna write it down, only one. So again, what was E? Eden, right? Paradise. I'm alone with someone else naked, no shame. Sex is good, it's for pleasure, it's for progeny, it's for partnership. R, romance. That exclusive intimacy with somebody else doesn't have to be sexual. It's getting to know them, them and them alone. They see all of your stuff and love you. You see all of them and love them. And now we're to owe oh, the only one. And you may be thinking, Craig, we actually already did this, right? You already said this. Yeah, but in our culture, we need to say it again, okay? Because I'm gonna say something that's uncomfortable, but it's true. Uh, marriage is meant to be with one man and one woman. That's it for life, end of story, end of story. And how do we know that? Well, let's turn to a very important passage. This is Mark chapter 10. I preached on this before. Uh, We're going to start in verse one, Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again crowds of people came to him and asked, as was his custom, uh, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by saying, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He replied, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Listen to what Jesus says, verse 5. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. It's tough teaching, tough teaching. And by the way, before we get into this whole uh, distracting aside, there are absolutely times when people are permitted to be divorced. The point is he's saying from the beginning, the design has always been for one man, one woman to be united together for life. That's God's design. That's God's plan. That's what's supposed to happen. The point is not to look bad at people that are divorced. Hello, who's a sinner? All of us, right? Your sin ain't any better than anybody else's. All of our sin should damn us to hell. Praise God that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Amen? Amen. But we can talk about the difference between good, better, and best. And we should be able to talk about honestly that God's best plan is that a man and a woman are together for life. Only one, only one man, woman, life. That's the plan. And by the way, if you're one of those people that still, you're not married and you're like, I I can't do that. Good, then don't. It's not a requirement for anybody to get married. It's not. There are some of you that will be called to celibacy. Some of you that are called, yes, and I keep saying celibacy. You're like, wait a minute, man, you said not married. You didn't say celibacy. Ah, word of God sex is for who? For married folk. So therefore, if you're not married, then you should not be partaking in something that is meant only for married people. Period. In a short, listen, by the way, sex in marriage is still a challenge. It's like juggling hammers. You're going to get hurt. Okay. But those of you who are having sex outside of marriage, you're juggling chainsaws. You're going to get hurt and it could kill you. See the difference? Sex is a dangerous thing. Okay, love and intimacy is a dangerous thing, but danger does not equate to bad. This life is a dangerous enterprise and we have to have the courage sometimes to follow God's lead in the midst of it. And that includes even marriage and sex. So O, only one. Then we go to S. So again, we've got our E-R-O-S plus. So E stands for what? Eden. Eden, we were made to be in a sexual relationship with a man, a man and a woman for life. Man, woman, working together, naked, no shame, right? Right. What's the R? Romance. Romance that mystery, that intimacy it doesn't have to be sexual, but that one connection with some other person, you're completely vulnerable to them, them to you. As you're coming closer to Jesus, there's no shame. There's no, there's no uh, worrying about the past. It's focusing on you and the other person together and letting that intimacy be the powerful thing that can push you through some of the difficulties in our life. Okay, and again, those of you who are not married, that intimacy comes from, the, comes from the Father, all right? Some of the greatest men and women in Scripture were not married. So that is not a prerequisite to have a relationship with Jesus and to be a, a powerful disciple. And then we, go, we said oh, O is only one, and then S is sacrifice, sacrifice. Now, I'm not going to, I could turn to one particular passage, but I'm not. Uh, I'm looking at the time. I'm going to summarize some things here. But man, when we talk about erotic relationships, when we talk about eros, when we talk about that exclusive love between a man and his wife, it automatically will include guaranteed sacrifice. It will, constantly. Let's just talk about some some of them that we know. Let's talk about one of the greatest love stories ever, Mary and Joseph. If you turn to Matthew, uh, in chapter one, and you're gonna see that when Joseph found out that his, his fiance, his betrothed, was pregnant, he loved her, but he was gonna divorce her quietly, and he had grounds to, so he thought, because he thought that she had had sex with another man she wasn't married to, and she wasn't married to him, but she was betrothed, which was basically like married in that day, very very close, okay? So he would have had grounds legally, but he did so quietly because he loved her. But then he was visited by an angel, right? And the angel said, no, this is what's happening. He woke up and he said he took her in. And there's a little line there that lets me know that he sacrificed gracefully. He said, he, they did not consummate the marriage until Jesus was born. He took his woman that he loved more than anybody home and did not have sex with her. That's called a sacrifice, but that didn't end there. Can you imagine your firstborn son isn't your firstborn son? Can you imagine that you're the stepdad to Yahweh? I mean, that's crazy, right? And when I mean stepdad too, I mean second place too. I wasn't saying that Yahweh is, is the same as Jesus the son. I was saying that he's the primary father and then you're second, you're the, you're the extra dad. Can you imagine that? You're losing that competition. You're not the cool dad, okay? Can you imagine that? A lot of sacrifice. And you're like, what about Mary? Oh, yeah. Can you imagine the sacrifices that she did? You know what, in fact, every woman of the Bible, amazing sacrifices. Most of the time they were treated like property. Let's talk about Sarah or Rachel or Rebecca. All of them had to leave their community and travel far with their husbands. Imagine that, imagine poor Rachel who had to compete with her sister and then two servants. By the way, the whole thing about exclusivity, and you're like, the Bible talks about polygamy. Yeah, it talks about how bad it is. You don't believe me? Go read it. Every time there's more than one wife, there's more than one problem. There's lots of problems, it's bad. Remember, when the Bible reports it, it doesn't mean it supports it, it's just telling you the truth. From the very beginning, we read in Genesis, Jesus quotes it again in Mark and in Matthew, he says what, God's plan was what? One man, one woman for life, period, right? Right, and in that marriage relationship with one woman, one wife, there's gonna be sacrifices. I can't tell you the sacrifices that this woman has made for me, again and again and again and again. When I was going through seminary and spending a lot of our money, a lot of my time, and she supported me the whole time, making sure the kids were where they needed to be. Sometimes I would be at school at night Not work school, but going to seminary school. Just all of these sacrifices. And now I sacrifice for her. If I was single and had no wife and no kids, I probably would have jumped ship from my job maybe a decade ago. Maybe last week. But you know what? I've got my wife, four kids, four other humans, two dogs, three snakes. I can do without the dogs and the snakes. But I've got all those humans. I, I, I'm going to work tomorrow, doesn't matter how bad it is, doesn't matter if there's anxiety in there, I'm going to work because that's my woman. She's got needs. no. But I mean, our whole family, I've got, it's not, it's not true at all, not true at all. But we you do sacrifice for each other, you have to. You do small sacrifices, physical sacrifices, sacrifices with time, with money, it's part of it. And you know what it's worth it it actually becomes this weird thing that's motivating and and you enjoy it and and let me just say to the married folks in the room if you have a hard time thinking about how you're sacrificing for your spouse you're doing something wrong every day there should be something you say yeah that's a sacrifice and i want to do it i enjoy doing it and maybe that's why some of the older couples in the room are like i don't see it as a sacrifice anymore man you 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 graduated all right you got your diploma you're better than us But as we get there, it may feel like it takes something out of us, and it should, it should. That's that partnership again. All right, last thing. So we spelled out Eros, E is for Eden. Remember the original God's plan, man, woman, working together, for life, naked, no shame. Romance, there should be that mystery. There should be that vulnerability. There should be that willingness to share with completely who you are with that other person. The ugliness, the things that you're dealing with, your hopes, your dreams, your fears, with that one other person. And they reciprocate. And there's this, this connection that's mystical and exciting and, and should be new. It never gets old. Oh, only one. It's only with one other person, folks. Only one. S, sacrifice, it's going to require sacrifice. And finally, the plus, here's the bonus. I'm not gonna turn to all of them, but the bonus is cross, it should be all about the gospel. And here's my example. Here's a a couple in scripture that we don't hear a lot about. I'm gonna turn to just one passage, but you can actually find them in four different places. Their names are Priscilla and Aquila. Do you know those names? Those of you who have read, uh, we can find them at the end of 2 Timothy, the end of 1 Corinthians, We can find them in Acts. They train up this guy called Apollos, who becomes this great evangelizer. They work with Paul, but I wanna read this especially. This is at the end of Romans. And I want you to notice that every time that these people are mentioned, they're always mentioned together, always. And they're always mentioned together doing the work of the gospel, always. So how do you have this awesome relationship, this awesome marriage? Eros, make it like Eden. Make sure there's romance. It's only one person, and there's going to be sacrifice. But you want to take it to the next level? You don't want to have Disney. You want to have Disney Plus. You don't want to have Eros. You want to have Eros Plus. You make sure that you're united in ministry. You're united with the gospel. This is 16. Uh, let's go to verse 3, I believe. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but for all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. And there's another passage where it says that they have a church meeting in their home. That's your goal, that's my goal. Yeah man, have all the sex that you can, that you're able to have, it's pleasurable, it creates progeny, it, it makes that strong partnership. Absolutely, don't have that shame. Be vulnerable in that romantic relationship with only that one person. It involves sacrifice and it'll be worth it. But really if you wanna take it to the next level, if you want to take your marriage to the next level to make it the most romantic the hottest it can be you will work alongside them in the ministry of the gospel your home is open to others you're preaching the gospel to others you are showing them an example of a godly love that's my challenge to you let's pray father i thank you very much for this community and their willingness to listen um, as we've been going through love um, the different types of love and i pray that uh, this church, we do this either every year or every other year. I pray that it doesn't become stale. I pray that we, we see opportunities to love other people with that God type of love, that we see opportunities to build strong friendships that are built on trust and respect, a mutual, a mutual love and devotion to you. And also, Father, for those in the room that are called to, that we will have that, that erotic relationship with a man or woman that you have destined us to be with, that you have planned for us to live a life of no shame, like they did in Eden, to live a life full of mystery and excitement of romance with only that one person where we will sacrifice and it will remind us of your great sacrificial love for us and that we will be united in your work in the kingdom building and sharing the gospel that those called to that, that we, they will do it with, with, with zeal. And for those that are called to a celibate life, Father, I pray that they realize what a special, unique calling that they share with some great people of the word and that they too know that the intimacy is promised for them. That you, in fact, for all of us, you are our great lover that has sacrificed so much for us, that knows our flaws and still loves us. I pray that everybody in this room, Father, will know that you love them more than any man or woman ever could, more than any parent could, more than anyone ever could. That you love us, that you showed that love by sending Jesus to die. That through his resurrection, we have hope to be with you forever in the midst of that glowing warmth of your love that everyone here knows that and believes that. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen.